Hello, Jan Stalkic here. The summer break is over and we can restart our next episode of the Tech Stories podcast. Today I speak to Ronald Langer. He's my old friend and a founding partner of the German VAT and Customs Boutique Kufner Mounts Langer & Zugmeier, which is a tier 1 indirect tax firm of Germany. We will speak about uh, how did he manage to create this uh, German boutique as tier 1 firm within only 15 years. Ronnie will kindly share his predictions regarding the future of the VAT system. And we will also speak about the criminal aspects of the VAT. So stay tuned. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, the next Tech Stories episode is here and uh, we have a new guest, Ronnie Langer. Ronnie is actually an old friend of mine for I don't know how many years do we know each other, Ronnie? Well, probably nearly 20 years or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Uh, Ronnie is a top quality VAT expert in Germany. He's a partner of KMLZ for uh, about 15 years now. And before that, I checked that you have been with WTS for almost four years and uh, working for tax authorities for five and a half years. What did you do with tax authorities? Well, I was an auditor in the tax authorities. So doing field audits, you know, all kind of taxes uh, mm. was a exciting time in the beginning, at least. But, you know, after five years, it got kind of boring. Well, mm. Working for the authorities is, well, not that not that exciting, I would say. And well, that's why I decided to leave and become yeah. a consultant. Are uh, German tax authorities as crazy as Latvian ones? <laughs> Sometimes making uh, some uh, assessments or accusations where you seem it's completely illogical. Well, probably yes. Well... The Germans always complain about the authorities, you know, it's uh, so bureaucratic and um, annoying. And um, But I always tell them, I fully understand, but uh, maybe some Eastern European countries may have a more uh, bureaucratic uh, approach than the Germans have. So, But I, I had the impression that the Baltic countries are quite, well, have a quite practical approach. So I'm not sure whether the Latvians are similar to the Germans. I think uh, they are a little bit different because uh, the more south you go, the more aggressive the tax authorities become. So, mm-hmm. so I would say most friendly are in Estonia and then uh, uh, probably yeah, Latvians and Lithuanians are quite crazy mm-hmm. sometimes. But, but today they all are people and it depends with whom you are talking and dealing with. Then uh, you are, as I said, tax partner of KMLZ, uh, which stands for Kufner, Mounts, Langer and Zugmeier, uh, which is a VAT and customs boutique firm. And I just checked uh, by the latest rankings of International Tax Review. It's a tier one firm uh, in indirect tax category along uh, some uh, big force and uh, Baker McKenzie. And you have 35 professionals in, in uh, Munich and Dusseldorf. So uh, what is the secret of this success? 15 years, not so much time, but tier, tier one firm in Germany, that's quite impressive. Yeah, well, I don't exactly know. But maybe one of the reasons is we, at least in the very beginning, we didn't have that much competitors. So, of 
course, there were the big four and 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 some other um, major consulting firms with the indirect tax departments. But um, apart from that, only very few. VAT consultants. We were always looking to the UK, for example, where it was said that uh, I think 40% of the consultants are VAT consultants, and that that was well was interesting to see. And and we found well could be a good idea to establish a VAT uh, consultancy firm. And um, it was kind of the, the the at least the German market was waiting for that. Well, of course, we did our best in the beginning to make it well known and we, we made a lot of efforts in marketing and so on. And um, of course, also tried to provide high quality consultancy. So, yeah, but there's no, there's no secret behind it, I would say. Before we go uh, any further into business, let's talk about you a little bit. What uh, brings you joy besides work? For example, I found from my parents a book, Hobby mit Hobel und Hammer, Indian Tips und Vereinten für Heimwerker. Did I pronounce <laughs> it right? <laughs> so uh, what uh, what are your hobbies? Well, I must admit, not that many hobbies because uh, there's less time left besides uh, the work. I do a lot of sports, I would say. So I love sports. I play football and um, do running during the week, um, skiing in the winter, play tennis. Um, yeah, I try to do several things in, in, in terms of sports. There's not much more time left besides work and sports to do other things. And, and of course, there's the family, you know, and so I have two kids. Uh, little girl, little girl is four, and um, my boy is ten. So um, I, I guess most of the time uh, is theirs. Can you say that you can keep your work-life balance being a business owner as well? Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would, I would rather say, uh, and I, I have, I have to admit, work is my life, kind of, you know. Um, And um, it's like um, you have to manage the firm and you have to deal with all the clients and uh, you have to be available all the time. So um, even for many years during vacation, I, I, I worked at least partly to, well, make sure that the company is growing further and is doing well. Um, so probably others would say there is no work-life balance, there's only work. But for mm. me, it's fine. I like it, uh, I must say. When we look at your work, how much of it is uh, client work and how much is about client relations, management, marketing, all these kind of stuff? Um, it's changing and it's developing. And in, in the beginning, in the first years, I try to do as much as possible in um, yeah consultancy client work and um, liked that very much, I must say. Um, but meanwhile, the, 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 the company is growing and growing and, and, and you also know there's so much uh, in terms of organization, management, um, also client relationships. So I would say, um, meanwhile, there's probably 50 to 60% um, client work and the rest is organization and management. 
which is also mm. fine but it's yeah it's 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 a it's a a must you you have to do it as a as a partner yeah still considerably quite a lot of client work but that's probably how you keep in in, in good shape technically i mean yeah that's that that was always my aim um not to be only managing partner and and to do organizational things but to do the job and keep knowledge and 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 stay on the on on in first line in, in all the developments and so on so it's because i'm a main contact for the clients of course and and i would like to give a a proper answer if i um, get asked something and uh, don't want to refer to someone else and that's why it, i think it's important if you want to be a, a good consultant to yeah do daily work to stay in touch with all the developments i can say that uh, you have no problems with uh, staying in good shape about uh, technical vat issues i can i can tell it from the your presentations in this uh, vat expert group that we uh, both share in, in in common throughout the eu maybe a couple of uh, words about this uh, vat expert group uh, there the were these uh, couple of crazy italians uh, arnaldo and claudio who came up with the idea of of creating the group uh, do you regret uh, joining the group and and uh, would you make different if 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 now looking back at those uh, 15 or 20 years no definitely not it's um, always good to have contacts in other countries so consultants and also good vat experts in other countries because um, particularly for our german clients this is important you know we, uh, germany is a export country so we have a lot of um, cross border vat issues and and um, the the clients also kind of expect that you have a, a, at least a rough idea of how the vat rules are in other countries and what are the the specific things there and you, you you need to have good contacts in all the various countries at least in europe and maybe also in other countries and that's why it's good to have um yeah i would say good old friends there where you can um uh, call them and and get some information easily and quickly and and i think that's a huge advantage of our vat europe group um where we well meet and we know each other and have a good relationship yeah. mm. and you are also a member of, i remember of this uh, vat expert group at the european commission uh, are you still there and uh, and uh, if yes can you tell more about uh, the group uh, what are their functions and and uh, what do you do there yeah unfortunately not i must say so in the last uh, uh, in, in the last um, uh, application round we didn't manage to get there again uh, i think the commission decided to have uh, less consultancy firms there and that's why we were um, didn't make it there again i really enjoyed it because well you are you're getting um, information firsthand from the commission and that it was always always good to to be there and and also meet 
other colleagues from different countries there but yeah looking back at at the early days how how did you decide uh, to specialize on vat vat i think is uh, supposed to be the most complex tax of all right this is a funny story um you know when when i left the tax authorities i applied for a job at wts as you mentioned and um, uh, I was supposed to be the consultant for um, a part of the Siemens group. Um, at least this was the job description and I applied for that. On my first day, I went there. They told me, look, um, the job was given to a, another uh, consultant. Um, so what do you think? What about VAT? We would also need someone who can do VAT. And uh, well, I was surprised, um, but um, well, agreed. Um, VAT was something that I liked from the very beginning, even if I did all the taxes. But that's how I uh, arrived in the VAT area. And um, I was um, doing VAT for some years. And, and I must say, um, you, you've mentioned it's, it's one of the complex taxes i wouldn't say so it's from for me it's the most logical uh, kind of tax and well that's maybe that's the reason why i like it yeah I, i'm a totally vat person as well i think it's it's very deep and interesting and always there are so many angles to it so that uh, it's not even possible to grasp it throughout uh, any person's life well, looking, uh, you know, look, looking back, uh, I, I, I think it was a good decision to do only VAT because in the very beginning, I tried to manage to do all kind of taxes and it's very, very complicated to be on top of all taxes, to uh, uh, have a look at all the developments and, and I, uh, I, I never regretted to now only have to deal with VAT. And this is uh, far enough considering all the developments we have on EU level and in the national courts. And as I've mentioned, the cross-border uh, developments, that's absolutely sufficient for me, I would say. If we dive into the VAT now, do you see the future of VAT? Let's say, will US ever implement VAT? Do you see some, some big steps in, uh, in the future happening to VAT? I don't think so. Um, well, regarding the US, I don't know. They discussed it uh, quite some times, but I'm not sure whether the political will, political will is there to do this huge step. So it, it would be interesting for us. Um, and would maybe also be um, helpful for the German businesses because at the moment the US um, sales tax system is, uh, well, for a European company kind of a nightmare because you don't really understand the rules. So if it would be more similar to the European VAT system, it would be certainly helpful. But I'm not sure whether this will happen um, ever. And um, I don't, I, and, and I also don't see any 
major developments in Europe. You know, we've we've seen the discussions about the reverse charge scheme and um, uh, other things, and nothing really happened because um, the European or the the EU member states will never get agreed on a common system. So some countries will have their concerns and will not agree on a new system. At least until I uh, resign, I guess there will be this VAT system we have today. You mentioned a story how you started to work for uh, VAT matters at WTS. Uh, are there any other tax-related stories in your mind? <laughs> um, well, I didn't think about this and well, nothing really comes to my mind now. My impression is that uh, the John Grisham's firm is the most famous tax-related story about a tax firm. There's a movie also. Uh, it's, it's by far my best book of John Grisham, so I can recommend. Going back to the firm, I saw that uh, you are responsible for developing of digital tax tools and solutions, uh, and uh, you even have a subsidiary for that. Tell about how far you are with those digital tools and, and why the subsidiary. Well, I think um, you may uh, have also recognized this. Um, we have a development in the tax area where I think digital digital tools are required to make life easier for the tax departments and for the taxpayers. In the past, there was so much manual work, time-consuming work, and uh, the possibilities are there from a technical perspective. And, and we've recognized a need or a request for digital tools. And that's why we decided we want to, you know, we. We always said we want to provide high quality consultancy. We want to be on top of all the developments. And that's why, in principle, we had to do something also in this area. That's why we decided, okay, let's 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 establish this subsidiary and um, employ some um, technical guys who, of course, need to have a, 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 a tax knowledge, a basic tax knowledge, but who can do uh, coding, um, can develop tools and so on. And uh, I think we are quite successful in that. So we, I think our first and well, best tool is the, the VAT ID verifier, you know, where you can verify the, the VAT ID numbers. And it, th there's a need Besides that, we have some some tools for tax compliance management. So in order to verify numbers, to document the verification in, in case something um, goes wrong and the tax authorities may argue, look, you didn't do uh, the necessary things. And um, also in, in, in the area of data mining, process mining, there is um, so much need for supporting tools. That's, that's why we decided to do this. And um, yeah, we are, we are also growing in this area. 
Um, and it, it, it's, it's fun. It's, uh, you know, as I've mentioned, it's, it's always the problem to have sufficient time for that. Probably the, 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 the old fashioned consultancy will remain there for a long time, you know, doing some opinions and, uh, and providing answers for the daily business. But um, I think from a technical perspective, we can see a development where we need to be on top of those developments uh, in order to, well, keep our position in the market, I would say. It's a very exciting topic, actually. What's your vision uh, and your partner's vision about uh, this digitalization of, uh, of uh, tax advice? Do you see it uh, in the future more like IT company with some uh, tax effects and, and knowledge, or it will stay as as consulting uh, with some uh, IT developments. Mm. Well, I, I think the vision is that we may end up with 50-50. So we will f- probably forever have court cases and opinions to be provided. But um, on the long run, I think our f- well, license fees we we get for the for the different tools may grow further and further, and probably we will end up with 50-50. So we will not become an IT company, definitely not. Um, so our roots in the in the consultancy, and it it will certainly be required for many 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 years or forever. But yeah, a substantial part of that will be kind of IT technology and so on. Don't know about German tax authorities, but in the Baltics, the tax authorities are becoming huge sort of IT data processing entity and more and more functions are getting, uh, of course, electronically and and automized. Even the tax authorities are becoming uh, sort of IT company. Mm, Do, do Do you see something like that in Germany as well? Unfortunately not, I must say. There's, um, we would be happy if the tax authorities would also uh, um, have a more or would start the digitalization. But maybe it's because Germany is a quite huge country and taxation is uh, or the, the, the federal states are in charge of the taxation. So it's, uh, you know, we don't have... Uh, the federal ministry being responsible for that, but we have the the, the states being responsible. So there's a, a lot of alignment needed between the states, and um, it's they, they they simply don't invest enough, and the businesses are always complaining and 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 asking the tax authorities to invest in this area to make life easier for all of us, for them and for the businesses, but nothing really happens. And um, we can see the developments in the various countries, you know, the the real-time reporting and and, and the e-invoicing and so on, but nothing happens in Germany. That's quite surprising. That's how it is. Yeah, just because of the complexity, but it's it's big and and, and there is a sort of Difficulty to to align uh, federal level at at uh, the country level, yeah. Yeah. And uh, your work style has it changed lately over the last year or so because of COVID? Like, uh, are are you 
mostly now working from home or still all the time in the office? Yeah, um, I can say I I'm a, I'm working from home. I think now for 14, 15 months. During that time, I went to the office. Um, I don't know, 10 days or something like this. In the past, I must admit I uh, didn't like the idea of home office. I I like to have all of um, our consultants being in the office um, so it was possible to have a chat, um, uh, short ways to discuss things and so on. So it, I, I liked the, the, the cooperation, the, the working together in the office. But I learned, I must say, uh, um, sometimes or some of our colleagues are, are working even more efficient from home. You know, because we have, you know, I, I am in the Munich office. So Munich is a very expensive area. It's sometimes hard to achieve um, living here. And some colleagues have to travel quite some time. You know, they, they have to travel one hour in the morning, one hour in the evening to get to the office. So this is gone and uh, they, 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 um, can use this time to do their job or to relax or whatever. And 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 considering that the, the the technical possibilities we have, like we are now chatting about Teams, um, it's easy. It's so easy. It's at least for the colleagues uh, who are working quite some time already for our firm. You know, you already have some relationship. You know each other, and it's easy to discuss things. It's, it's only difficult, I think, for the new hires. They don't know each other. They don't know the firm. And it's, it's, it's difficult for them to arrive in the firm to feel and learn how the firm works and so on. That, I, I, I think that's difficult. And we still try to have, well, we still have to find a way how to yeah, uh, make the onboarding efficient and 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 good for all the new hires. So you don't have any firm policy for then, like you have to be in the office like two days per week or something like that. No, it's uh, we are fully flexible. So um, each employee can decide where to work, when to work. We only have a well. We I would say I have a full trust. Each of the colleagues does have its clients, knows what to do, and um, we have a full trust in their capabilities and in their uh, work so they can work from where they want, whenever they want. The work needs to be done. That's it, I would say. Cool. I also trust this is uh, the best approach currently. On your webpage, I saw that that the firm is also in criminal law related to uh, VAT. What the German law and practice says, do you know where is the line between the administrative and criminal procedure of VAT offenses? I saw that one line is, is uh, 50,000 euros when uh, the criminal proceedings can be initiated and uh, 1 million euro assessment when uh, a person can go to jail but uh, is is there a firm line drawn in the german law is is every tax assessment above this threshold uh, 
going uh, criminal proceedings way or how is it defined in, in, in Germany? I think we have a, a, a kind of um, special approach in this regard. Uh, I think Germany and Austria are similar and I experienced other countries don't have this approach but in Germany indeed uh, you may end up with criminal proceedings very easily. There's an internal guideline for the tax authorities saying that if some amendments are made in the VAT returns above a threshold of 5,000 euros this has to be reported to a special unit for criminal investigations. And they have to verify whether this is um, worth commencing criminal proceedings. And we have indeed many cases where criminal proceedings are commenced against the management of a firm in even only they made some mistake, you know, there's no, there, there are no fraudsters or like uh, something like this. They, they just yeah. made a mistake. And if you have a, a, a business with uh, several million turnover, very easily you can end up with one million in VAT liability additionally. You know, for example, we just had a case where a rather small firm trading in fruits and vegetables, making some mistake in, a, in, in, in handling a chain transaction, happens easily because it's a complicated issue and it's it's a firm with 20 million euros turnover per year and they made a mistake and um, I think in a tax authorities audit they recognized they would have to pay 2 million euro in VAT which is a substantial amount considering the 20 million euro, v, euro VAT turnover and but it's it's really only a mistake and they they commence criminal proceedings against them and the managing direct director may have ended up in jail for that for some years and it took us i think four or five years arguing discussing providing proof and so on to get those criminal proceedings off the table um, so it's it's really for the management of German firms, VAT is an issue and, and more and more um, businesses uh, recognize that, which, well, helps us as a, as a VAT firm because the need for consultancy and, and, um, and um, well, providing support and so on um, is growing and growing because of that. And the tax authorities are getting more and more strict, you know, because of the fraudsters. They want to get the fraudsters. And by amending the regulations in order to, to, to get the fraudsters, all the other businesses are affected um, as well. And yeah, that's the, the developments in Germany. Yeah. But uh, are there more uh, of those cases, uh, let's say, above this uh, 5,000 euros you mentioned? Are they mostly going uh, the administrative uh, dispute way or criminal proceeding way? I must say, luckily, we can achieve that most of the criminal proceedings um, are stopped one day because we can argue, look, there, there was a mistake. Nobody knew that. And uh, because um, in order to 
get a, a criminal penalty, you have to have at least a kind of criminal uh, um, energy to uh, uh, evade taxes. And, and, and if you can argue, look, this was a mere mistake and, 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 and we, we didn't have sufficient uh, tax compliance management uh, measures, but still um, this um, mistake happened, then you can usually uh, achieve that the criminal proceedings are stopped and, and nothing happens. And in some cases, it's hard because, for example, there are no tax compliance management measures. So the, the processes are kind of weak. Um, and then you usually end up with administrative fines. So um, only in rare cases you really see uh, the management or, or uh, uh, directors going to jail. Uh, usually these are then real fraudster cases, I would say. But it's still, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a huge effort to defend the business or the, the, the management from these criminal proceedings. Yeah, it's enormous risk for the businesses, and uh, so they what, what do they do? They normally invest heavily into the risk management procedures, right? Or or buy insurances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. During the last, I would say, at least five years, we have a, a, a trend in in the businesses. They 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 implemented tax compliance uh, management systems risk assessments um, and so on um, in order to protect the management. That, that was mm. one of the major trends during the last years, which is going on and, and, and which is now, as I've mentioned before, uh, becoming digitalized. So in the beginning, it was manual work. So uh, uh, documenting everything and so on, documenting controls and so on. And now it's they are, they are trying to make it more efficient by digitalization. And in our region, uh, I see that we, we have a big uncertainty regarding uh, this double penalty prohibition uh, regarding such cases. If uh, everything is done by the book, then tax authorities at the beginning have to decide whether the case will go administrative uh, way or the criminal procedure way. They cannot cannot do both. Is, is this a problem uh, you see in Germany and uh, how is it solved? No, because you know the, the, the administrative penalties are assessed against the company and the criminal proceedings are against the individual persons. Mm. So that's why we don't really have this discussion. Sometimes yes, but it's not really an issue here. Okay, so it's not perceived as the same uh, offense. No, no. If if we speak about VAT, then um, of course everybody now is is well aware of the latest changes from first of July uh, regarding uh, e-commerce package. Uh, any significant takeaways from your practice? Does it work? I see an article uh, in the press already that there are significant difficulties with the uh, refunds and uh, and returns of of online uh, purchased goods. So, uh, what do you see in in your practice? Well, I think all in all, the changes were quite good. I would say because it at least. Uh, 
aimed to reduce the administrative work for the uh, distance sellers. Um, so in principle, it was a good idea, but as always, if it comes to the details, you will see problems where nobody thought about that before. And um, just one example is the, 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 the German authorities are currently saying, and I heard from other countries they uh, share this view, that um, in principle the, the distance sellers may deregister in the various countries and, and can report their sales through the um, one-stop shop in their home country. But if you have amendments for previous sales, you still need to uh, uh, remain registered because you have to report the amendments for sales prior to 1st of July in, the, uh, in, in each country, which mm. is a huge administrative burden still because you have the one-stop shop reports and you still have the registrations in the various countries. So um, it's still, you know, it's, it's these are these these are details that were not thought about that before, and the tax authorities, I, I at least I have the impression they don't care. They simply don't care what it means for the businesses in practice. They they, they simply issue an administrative letter saying, look, we thought about this, and you have to report this in the various countries. Full stop. And that's really annoying. And many have deregistered already. Yeah. Or... <laughs> okay. And my last question to you is about the biggest problem uh, with the VAT, in Baltics at least, VAT fraud. Do you see some end to this, uh, let's say, with this potentially new system coming that, that cross-border transactions uh, will be charged with the local VAT rate instead of zero VAT rate or some other solution to that? I'm not sure about that. Probably the fraudsters will think about new ways and will find new ways. So it's, um, of course, the, the, the European Union and the member states had to do something. We've, we've seen even cases in our firm where we had clients. We thought in the beginning these are people who were sued by the state and uh, were innocent but in the finally it turned out these were fraudsters so it's it's uh, we, you know we have a, a decision made one day we don't want to uh, defend fraudsters so if we had such situ situations you know someone was calling you know i did something which is uh, considered to be VAT fraud, could you help us? And we said, no, we don't want to do this. Um, and, sure. But we had we had cases where it finally turned out these were fraudsters. And, um, and the state budget really loses a lot of money. Um, but these are clever people and they try to find their ways. So they will find a new way how to evade VAT. Um, I don't think that this will disappear totally. So quite pessimistic future ahead of yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> so the taxpayers will have to pay for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's so there's so much there's there's so much money on the table, and you can the fraudsters can easily earn so much money because of this 
these fraud systems. That's why I think there will still be some persons trying to do this in the future. Yeah. On that uh, pessimistic note, <laughs> <laughs> I thank you, Ronnie, uh, for our conversation. And as you probably know, that um, I end up my uh, podcast series with a more philosophical question about uh, your version of meaning of life for yourself. What what would you respond to that? Meaning of life. As I've mentioned during our, uh, our chat, I think it's important to be happy with what you do. And f for me, I can say I'm, I'm happy with um, what I'm doing in my job. I think It, it takes most of our time. That's why I think it's important and try to find a, a job and some work that makes you happy. Um, and I think that's a huge part in your life, apart from, of course, family, kids, um, yeah. hobbies, as you've mentioned now. Great. I also enjoyed uh, our time together in today's podcast episode. So thanks once more. Uh, You're welcome. Hope to see you soon in person. Yeah, we'll keep in touch and uh, hopefully one day we can meet in person again. Indeed. Thank you for listening to this Tech Stories episode. If you think that this episode can inspire any of your friends or colleagues, feel free to share it to them. In the next episode, we will have a very interesting discussion with Mr. Bill Browder, who will share his story about the Magnitsky case. So stay tuned. Until next time, goodbye.